0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This is Chris Young, co-author of Modernist Cuisine. I'd like to invite you to check out ChefSteps.com. It's a free website we've created as a place to learn new cooking techniques and collaborate with curious cooks from around the world. Sign up now at ChefSteps.com.
2: You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org, a nonprofit, member-supported radio station. We're millions strong, with folks tuning in from over 200 countries. We are education. We are entertainment. We are the future of food. May is our membership drive. Become a member and support us while receiving e-newsletters, advanced invites, special discounts, and a membership card. We need your support. Visit our website and click the donate button to become a member today. Thank you for believing in us and enjoy the show. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The groove in that rhythm and blues that's him. It's gonna get you, son, in the air.
3: Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host Damon Bolte, and the studio today we have a couple of my great buddies, and we're going to throw a great party this weekend. Meyer Superout and Aaron Polsky, welcome back. To the- You've both been on the show before. Welcome back. It's great
4: to be back. It's yeah, great man. to be back. Thanks, Damon.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so how uh, how's your spring summer treating you so far? Just stiflingly warm today. It is. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't I
5: it- feel like we need more rose water rose
3: water roast water. Is always, the uh, roast water affects. is always important. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I got to see you guys a lot around the Manhattan Cocktail Classic this last week, and uh, I'm kind of surprised we're even having drinks right now <laughs> after all <of> that. <laughs> it's, it's been pretty crazy around here. And we're just going to make it crazier this weekend at uh, Webster Hall. We're doing another uh, Cripple Creek show like we did, uh, Aaron and I did, last uh, December at Lit Lounge. For two nights, that was crazy. Wait, we're doing that? We're doing that again? Not a lit lounge. Oh, man. Doing right. it at Webster Hall this time. I forgot. <laughs> I I don't even know how this is happening. I I don't either, but it's happening. <laughs> and it's
4: happening in two days.
3: Um, so, guys, let me ask you something. Uh, no, this is my first time to actually work with uh, you, my uh, on a project like this, uh, and I'm glad that you're like now part of Cripple Creek. That's really cool really stoked about that. Honored to be here. And, uh, of course, Mike, Michael O'Rourke is going to be DJing at the party. Um, so I know that you guys work together uh, around Mori and Margo, and you guys get to talk a lot of shop about different techniques, molecular stuff. I mean, obviously, you do a lot of the spirits for Bitterman Spirits. Um, how do you how do you feel about, like, getting, getting on stage with us uh, and... Uh, making these streaks with us, man.
5: <laughs> I mean, again, you know, the thing about it is I think it's about um, it's about making it fun. Um, it's also about really adding more sensory elements to the overall experience. I mean, you know, if you, if you look at what, say, a bar provides from the cocktail perspective, a bar provides a particular kind of integrated sensory experience. You know, you don't go to a bar just to sit and have a particular drink and, you know, I mean, I guess in theory you could have a space with white walls and no music and nobody else around right. you and you could be having a cocktail. But in reality, you know, the setting and the context really matter. And I guess, you know, the major thing that we're getting to do here is create our own setting and our own context. And and that's huge. Um, in a way that keeps people actually focused and in a way that in many ways is it's a lot more like performance. You know, it's, I mean, we all love sitting in you know, in our living room, you know, sipping on a beer and listening to a great record. But, you know, there's a big difference between doing that and actually being in a show. Um, and I think that a lot of, you know, what I'd like to bring in terms of technique and what I'm hoping we can all do is, is really is really bring bring some, some genuine performance elements, um, but also some real sensory context. You know, it doesn't always have to just be like, literally what you're tasting in the glass but sort of what's gone into it and what's happening around you in terms of sight smell sound absolutely i mean like that's
3: kind of like where we, we it's kind of what spawned this whole thing is you know like the the experience of going to a rock and roll show and the lights and sounds of people like smells if you will <laughs> i only go for the smells. <laughs> i only go for the smells anymore um and you know just to kind of like sidetrack a little bit, I was I was training some some of my staff earlier this week, and I was telling them, you know like as a bartender, it's like you are creating you're creating an experience for your guests, and like really the last thing that comes into play there, in my opinion, uh, is the drink. You know, it's the environment, it's like banter, it's you know, it, there's so many other elements, and then you know you're you're being a, a gracious host first and foremost, and giving experience. Like the very last thing. Is the drink? So I think this is kind of a cool, like, flip side of that. You know, um, obviously, like when we did it last year in December at Lit Lounge, it was kind of more of a like a kickoff party for this strange new world, <laughs> like cocktail creative <laughs> collective, um, traveling like drink show. So we didn't really have the the ability to throw in a lot of the elements, you know, like that we're going to be able to have at Webster Hall. I mean, I think
4: that. There were a few a few friends of ours who I guess spurred us to think more creatively about it because you know that it lit was awesome and it was a party um, <clears throat> but now it's entertainment and I think that's a key thing is that we have taken the uh, cocktail experience out of the hospitality business and put it into the entertainment business and we still have guests in that we have an audience
3: mm-hmm.
4: but we're putting on the show now, as opposed to nourishing people and and feeding people booze and whatever in the way that one traditionally would. And um, I think that really, 2013 has has shown that it's it's kind of just building throughout the industry. I mean, with Speed Rack, Speed Rack is for charity and it's an event, but it's also entertainment. You have a whole room of people screaming and shouting and cheering for bartenders to
3: do their craft on stage yeah i Um, mean like speed rack and like rematch these huge like uh, global cocktail competitions uh these traveling shows i mean like they it's yeah it's a little bit more multi-sensory and it does kind of turn it into more of a party than just like a bar scene in a way you know yeah um people are interested in it and i think at the
4: end of the day um Alcohol and food are two things that are as relatable to people as music, you know, beyond just nourishment. But just, you know, the history is as long. Um, the, the sort of communal experience is as long. And I think that the next step is sort of just bringing it around to people. And places are already doing that. Like Pouring Ribbons did, um, did a, uh, a couple of pop-ups. I think one in Sweden, and they did a thing in Chicago as well so it's sort of collectively building and we're happy to
3: be a part of that and the the loudest part of that <laughs> it's funny too like i was just thinking that you know just like over the past like year i guess or so it's really turned more into of like rather than having like a guest bartender like in your establishment or you know you going to another city you know and and guesting somewhere um, it's actually turned into more of like what you just said. It's like an entire like bar or group. I guess the Bon Vivants have been doing that for a while on the West Coast.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they've really been doing on the West Coast, but they've been bringing it out here with Pig & Punch right. and uh, Swig and & Swine and every other iteration of pork and alcohol. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Bacon and bourbon. <laughs> that'll be the next one. Um, you know, so... Again, it's it's like uh, all you really need. You don't need much. You need alcohol. You need a, a vision, and you need just your basics, and you can bring that anywhere.
3: Yeah, I think you know we've talked in like off, many off hours about like the the connection between the two, and it seems to me like I don't know. Like I, I when we first started talking about it, I, I, not that I was like kind of like thinking, about it. Shut it down or anything. I was just, I didn't know if people were ready for it. I still don't, I don't even know if I'm ready for it, honestly. Uh, I'm not, I'm kind of getting a little nervous uh, (laughs) about Friday, but I'm really stoked about it on the scene. Um, But, I don't know, like, there's been so many, like, even, like, with the the Franks that I work for, they've got a new spot down at Red Hook called Rez that's kind of a, a modular event space. It's a huge backyard, and it's built to basically be transformed into whatever it needs to be on that date, you know, and uh, that night, you know, and I don't know, we're starting to see a lot more of that, you know, like, even, like, with Roberta's, you know, they do a lot of stuff, like, off-premise and, and, like, pop-up stuff, and I don't know, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I'm pretty stoked about this summer, like, there's gonna be a lot of this yeah. going on. I know we've been planning on doing something up in Albany, um, and just trying to, trying to, like, get out of the city a little bit more, which I think is going to be really cool. Yeah,
4: well, I mean, as far as with Res and, and with, you know, other places sort of doing pop-ups, I think as food and drink uh, become theater, restaurants become venues.
3: Hmm. You know, so... Mark that down, Jack! <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's a It's a long
2: tag, but I think you got it. <laughs>
3: Also, Jack, what was up? I love the halftime intro music earlier. That was great, man.
2: Only the live listeners will hear it.
3: (laughs) Bonus beats. (laughs) Nice. Um, But yeah, that's great. I mean, like, and I think, especially with like molecular mixology, has been around, you know, obviously for as long as you can call a cocktail a cocktail. But the way it's really been transformed over the last few years with molecular gastronomy. I think that's something you guys are like, uh, l- the two of you are definitely like more up on that, having done a lot more, more culinary uh, sides of things. Like I've, I've never actually, I, you know what, I, if I have fire in like, a, like a large thing on my porch and then I have, I have meat, maybe some asparagus, that's about a, like, the extent of my culinary <laughs> background. Well, that large thing,
4: uh, can cook a lot of stuff. Is it, is it? It's a black and round. Yeah, it's one of those, a
3: Weber. But yeah, I mean like I to me I get really excited about these different techniques because you know, part of the reason why we have the show is to talk about like the the evolution of drinks like now, you know, and you know, historically. But I get excited every time I have a guest on it, you know, turns me on to some new technique or some new like idea theory on the way drinks are made, you know. And to talk to with you guys, you know about this stuff, as far as like technical stuff goes, uh, Mayer I know yeah. you're like kind of crazy on it. <laughs>
5: well I mean it's more you know again my my goal isn't you know I, I know that I mean in general, our goal, which is it, it, all, all jives well, you know isn't really to try to just come up with silly techniques for the sake of silly techniques, but rather you know to provide a lot of fun references and a lot of as I was saying earlier, a lot of, a lot of multi-sensory experience. So, you know, you can, you know, serve drinks, for example, along with, um, a really interesting olfactory element. You know, you can, you know, pipe a scented air into the, you know, into the area while you're, you're having a particular drink that, that completes it. You can also just play with form factor. You know, it's really, really fun to drink drinks that you would normally think of having, you know, big, juicy fruity elements and rich almondy elements and gingery elements and you know instead it's all kind of condensed into this very very you know smooth light spirit for a cocktail so it's really you know the goal is really just to take everything play with what people have been doing for ages and you know as you said damon i mean you know the term molecular mixology is almost ridiculous because you know jerry thomas is a molecular mixologist by that by that standard um but also uh that you know we're always playing around with 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 texture with color with flavor and and this is just providing us with a new set of tools to do that in um but as i said you know I think the goal is to be, you know, as visually effective as sort of, you know, effective on the other senses, but also, you know, as show as much flair as we can.
3: Absolutely. In half size plastic cups. (laughs) In half size plastic
5: cups. And that's, what's (laughs) going to be really fun is, you know, we're going to see what we can do with a bunch of half size plastic cups. And I think we can actually do some really spectacular things.
3: Absolutely. And you know, when we did it at a lit lounge, I was like, it was so awesome to see just like a, a, A lounge full of people like drinking out of like two ounce plastic cups, just having a grand time. And then, like, you know, maybe a Mick Jagger dance off happens, and then I have to man the bar for a little while while my partner is God knows where. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take a quick break. And uh, when we get back, we'll continue talking a little bit about. Let's talk about some of the. I don't want to take. I don't want to give too much away. Let's hint at some of the things we'll be doing. All right, back in a moment.
2: This one's called Kursk by Controller, and you're listening to The Speakeasy on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
1: This is Chris Young, co-author of Modernist Cuisine. Together with photographer Ryan Matthew Smith and Chef Grant Krilly, we've created something exciting and new at ChefSteps.com. Each day in our kitchen at Seattle's Pike Place Market, we're working on new recipes as well as updating classic ones that we love. And we're always looking for new techniques that make the impossible possible. At ChefSteps.com, we publish it all online with detailed step-by-step demonstrations as well as explanations of the science that answers the why behind the how in the kitchen and through our forum you can engage with our team as well as a friendly community of curious cooks from around the world if you're interested in becoming a better cook if you want more from the creative team behind modernist cuisine and if like us you're a fan of dave arnold and cooking issues then we think there's a lot you'll like and the best part ChefSteps.com is entirely free to learn the techniques. <laughs> we are friends. Dana, Dave Arnold. Yeah, of course we are. Um, all right. You're
3: listening to the speakeasy. We're back now, uh, with Aaron Polsky and Meyer super Before that break, we were talking a little bit about our, well, quite a bit actually about our, uh, our rock and roll cocktail pop-up show at Webster hall this Friday. Um, it'll be from eight to 10. Uh, get there a little early so you can drink a little bit of beer and, uh, make bad decisions, I guess. Um, So before the break, we were talking a little bit about like uh, quite a bit about the, uh, the ideas behind the show. And we started talking a little bit about techniques and some of the things like, since I met the two of you um, and guys like Dave Arnold that are very like on the molecular side of like, kind of like rethinking ingredients and, and the, the mixture of those ingredients, like the, the makeup and the mixture as it were. Um, it's really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff I'm you know classically like like whiskey stirred bitter boozy like I'm good you know but then like you know there's a lot more things uh, in life than just the you know your old fashions in Manhattan so I know when I go to Amore and Margo and talk with you guys uh, there's always it's more than just like I mean for instance it is stirred and boozy and bitter yeah. <laughs> but but there's a lot more to it than that and I've been learning a lot more from you guys. Um, and I feel like it's made me a, a much better bartender uh, and drinks maker because of that. And for instance, we were workshopping some drinks last week. Um, and, you know, I, Aaron turned me on to, uh, right before our last Cripple Creek show, uh, a place called SOS Chef uh, on Avenue B, which is awesome. Awesome shop. They do all kinds of, like, hydrosols and oils and all kinds of different spices, and, and I, I kind of was like blown away. It's like one of those places which I, I kind of wish I hadn't just plugged it because I didn't want them to be successful, but I also don't want everyone to know about it so I can go in and easily... Like, Every, everyone knows about they it. They do? Okay. You know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so we, we were sitting around and the other day making uh, basically like a clarified citrus if you want to expand on that a little bit.
5: Well, basically what I did was to just, you know, look up what the chemical composition of lime juice is Um, not a particular, and of course, you know, you've got to, you've got to leave out a bunch of stuff because there are all sorts of, of, of things in lime juice that, you know, are not easily occurring in, you know, in lab supply stores, but you know, are, are easily occurring in nature. Uh, But the goal was really to recreate, Lime juice in a way that you could have something that was clear, um, that was shelf stable, and that you know was pretty easy to do given relatively light organic chemicals rather than you know these very very sensitive natural compounds. Um, and and basically the goal there was you know we've all been making clarified lime juice for you know for a while. Um, it's a great technique. Um, it's really fun to fake people out because it's one of those sensory fake-outs where, you know, you expect sours have fruit juice in them, you expect them to be cloudy, you expect them to be emulsified, you expect them to have little ice strips on top, you know, and you're presented with something that's, you know, very limpid clear and still has that acid profile. Uh, So basically, you know, putting together the natural sugars, the natural oils, and the natural acids in lime juice is a relatively straightforward proposition provided that you, you know, read the right specs for it. And um, and what we get is we get something that we can literally use the same way that you would use a cordial or a liqueur, you know, and and therefore really start thinking, which also just, I think, gets your, your thinking different. You know, you start thinking about it the way that you might, I feel like a lot of bartenders aren't necessarily immediately equating lime juice with sherry or lime juice with vermouth. I think some of them are. I think, you know, we certainly do go through those steps. But I feel like the moment that you have the visual cue removed and even the incorporation technique changed you suddenly start thinking oh hey I can use this in this way this way this way this way and
3: it just opens up your options a lot also like yeah and and, and with it being clarified and and not necessarily need needing to be shaken or emulsified, or, or it's like then you start thinking about that in a different way especially like I, I I love sherry and drinks, but like if it's a shaken drink with like fino sherry, something super dry, I feel like it get lo- it'll get lost with too much like citrus, right? I mean, because they're both very acidic, but you're gonna taste mostly the lime juice, and it breaks up the sherry when you shake it. So it's like to actually have something stirred with uh, a citrus element to it, it kind of like you said, it just changes your way of thinking and it opens up a lot of other doors to, to go through.
5: Exactly. You know, and you could start playing with other things as well when you're, you know, a lot of what we're talking about here is just changing foundational principles. You know, if we carbonate things, if we aerosolize them, if we freeze them, if we powder them, you know, and, and you guys are are going to see a bunch of these things. Um uh you, you you actually really do not only change the way that things taste, but you change the way that you can actually approach certain cocktails. You know, we, we all like to use certain rules for how we put our cocktails together. You know, there are classic proportions. It's honestly, one of the reasons you go to a good cocktail bar, I feel like there are a lot of people out there who are just kind of, you know, struggling and make very what are called unbalanced cocktails. And, you know, balance is very important, but you usually proceed from certain very basic principles. This really opens up the number of principles that you can work from. And it also completely changes the idea of what you really have to have as a cocktail.
3: Yeah. And I think, like, with that being said, too, it's like, you know, the rules, like you said, we have a couple of rules that are pretty, like, standard and, like, just grounded in the way that we, like, train bartenders and the way that we perceive cocktails. And, you know, when Julie Reiner was on the show a couple weeks ago, um, she was talking about, like, she just changed over the menu and Dave Wondrich had put this section on. And there was this old-fashioned variation uh, or whiskey cocktail variation um where I and I think it might have been in Dave Embury's book. I can't remember which book it was exactly, but you know, it's built in a rock's glass, it's whiskey and sugar and then and like powdered like or like granulated sugar basically. And you take that glass, you shake it in the tin with the glass, and then you just pour it back in and then you grate that shitload of nutmeg on top of it. And it breaks like so many rules, like that we all like try to like standardized and classic cocktail bars but it's like but the drink is delicious <laughs> and it's like you know what man uh, okay okay you can shake that well, and also if dave wonder says you can do it, then... <laughs>
4: right. you do it well like isn't that what it's about though right i mean isn't it if the drink is delicious then you can do it and i think yeah totally we all have our our base knowledge of our rules and you know of classic rules and we follow them and Or we know when to follow them. We know how to make all the classics. But I think at the end of the day, it's about the final product. Sure. And it's not about what goes in there or how it's made necessarily. It's about can people drink this and relate to it and be like, this is alcohol, which I can
3: relate to. And this is awesome. (laughs) Which I can also relate to. Which I can also relate to. (laughs) But, like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm I'm still going to forever. Like, when I'm trading new bartenders or any new employee of mine, I'm going to always. You know, give them like the rule of like citrus in like anything with juice or dairy in it, you shake it. And anything that's just booze, you just stir it. Well, yeah, because I let them end up with the uh, the things that you know we found that we can play around with. Right, like everybody needs to be trained properly, but you
4: sort of branch out on your own and find out your own creative path.
3: Right. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> now I'm thinking about what I want to shake that doesn't have juice in it. Do we have anything um. in here? <laughs> um, but I want to talk about carbonization. Uh, go back to that a little bit. Um, because we are doing one drink that's a, uh, an aperitif carbonated drink for Cripple Creek this Friday. And, uh, can you, can you talk to me a little bit about the carbonation? Cause it's something that I've never really, uh, every once in a while, like I'll carbonate vermouth just cause I think it's awesome. And, uh, you know, you put a grapefruit twist on it or whatever. You just, you just sit on the porch and you just enjoy life. um, but it's not something that I've always played around with necessarily.
5: Well, I think it, it speaks to a bunch of things. Although maybe I should I should let Aaron take take this um, after a bit. Um, it speaks to a bunch of things. You know, one is one is just availability, right? I mean, no, no, nobody carbonates vermouth. You know, there, there there is no champagne of vermouth. You know, beers have Miller High Life, um, wines have <laughs> champagne. Um, vermouths don't 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 have either. Don't there's no champagne of vermouths. Um, so part of it is is being able to provide something that's that's different, you know, that that has all of these wonderful flavor compounds that we're used to, but but has also you know got carbonation, which is a lovely thing, and especially for a refreshing drink, you know, carbonation really aids that. Um, the other thing is of course dispersion of oils, and you know one of the things that's really fun to do when you're playing with carbonation is to take relatively small, relatively potent compounds and add them to whatever you're carbonating because those things will disperse really nicely. And you'll get this beautiful thing happening on the tongue that if you were to just, you know, do the, the redneck driveway, orange twist over the drink or, (laughs) or whatever you wouldn't necessarily get, you would, you would get, you'd get that whole flavor up front, but it's not dispersed. It doesn't instantly spread over the tongue. And I think that's a, that's a big thing with, you know, not only, Ingredients that feature botanicals like vermouth, but even when you're adding botanicals or oils.
4: That's the first time I've heard a glass of vermouth on the the rocks called a redneck driveway. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, Mayor actually turned me on to um, the presence of carbonic acid, which I wasn't really aware of, but basically comes out when you carbonate. And it tightens things up and it lends structure um, to... Uh, to cocktails, so it adds acid, basically out of thin air, which is inside one of those convenient AC literally chargers. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, well, or a component of air. Um, but it it helps a lot where you'll you'll have something built like an americano where there's some sort of liquor and some sort of vermouth um, and soda water. Uh, and on its own or just a water component and on its own it won't have that structure and if you carbonate the whole thing that carbonic acid disperses throughout the drink and really tightens it up and makes it nice and you can go a lot richer with the flavors uh and with the sugar content and i mean it's like flat coke right i mean coke has a ton of acid in it but flat coke tastes sweet and gross and um say what you will i
3: kind of like it It reminds me of like the end of a movie. (laughs) <laughs> or it, it does <laughs> like, you know you've got it like in a fountain cup and like it's like oh the, the credits are rolling I'm drinking watered down coke for, for everyone like, out there Damon's nostalgia is cold popcorn and
4: the unpopped popcorn <laughs> Um, but you know freshly opened coke is much more lively and balanced in that structure and that's kind of the same idea
3: yeah remember that uh, carbonated vodka that came out like a couple years ago yeah no what?
4: yeah no I me mean, neither no, probably
3: no <laughs> probably not um, so uh, on that note we're at the end of the show <laughs> what a weird note you uh, know. anyway uh, if you're around New York City this weekend come out and see Mayor Aaron myself and Michael Rook on the turntables uh, we'll be doing some crazy cocktails um, at Webster Hall from 8 to 10 technically if you want to get there a little early you definitely can right doors are opening I think seven. 7
4: Yeah. that shows at 8 promptly
3: promptly at 8 we'll be doing uh, essentially a bartender's tasting menu uh, set out to a set list so don't be late if you miss out the first couple songs uh, we'll, we'll try to do something for you but no we won't we won't be on really. time
5: or be sober
3: <laughs> alright that's it for the speakeasy this week uh, you can find uh, tickets at Ticket- Ticket Ticket Web. Web. Dot com. just search Cripple Creek and we'll see you on Friday. All right, cheers.
2: Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio.